Hello there, documentarians. Welcome to yet another fun, probably our silliest episode yet of The Documenteers. Today, Stuart and I will be discussing the cult classic from 1986 by John Hayne and Jeff Krulik. Yes, we're talking about Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And you can see Heavy Metal Parking Lot for free on YouTube. It's about 16 minutes long. If you have not seen it, it'll just take about that much of your time. Go watch it, then come back and have a seat with us and laugh with us. This episode is a lot of fun, I feel. But I may have to take the computer away from Stuart when we're in our recording sessions. You can hear him clicking around. There is something introduced that I would like to call uh, a Stuart drop. It's when Stuart drops a piece of audio on your face out of nowhere. I don't even know it's coming. But it's not laid in well in like it's in a, a post-edit quality. No, he's pretty much just playing it aloud on the computer stereo while we're talking. I actually think it's kind of fun, like the low-rent quality. It, it, it makes me laugh. Anyways, tell your friends about the podcast. Everyone likes documentaries. Everyone likes at least one kind of documentary. You can find us on places like iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, many other apps. Let's get to this movie. I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun, despite all the clicks. But we know, you know we love you. And if anyone gets in your face, just as Don Dockin would say, dock the fuck off. No, wait, go dock yourself. Now, here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. He's great, man. He sings great. Group's great. How about Doc? Great. Excellent. Are you fucked up? Half and half. famous clip Ernest Borgnine, right? No. Right before he died, there's like a 60 Minutes or one of these, again, Puff Piece kind of interviews with Ernest Borgnine, maybe a couple years before he died. And they're like, so what's the secret to your longevity? And he like, <laughs> not realizing there's a mic right here in his neckline. Yeah. He's going to hear whatever he says. He leans over and whispers to the person interviewing him, I masturbate all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Look, I know you'd go for that, but he died two years later, so. But he was very old. He kind of, he had a life. He had a, he made a living. Poseidon Adventure. What's up, Docs? Bunch. What's up, Docs? That's Docs with an X. With an X? Docs with an X? Welcome. For Extreme? Two. Now, Stuart, yeah, you lamented when we had to watch A Great State. I, I think your vote on that movie was... A bit of a protest vote. <laughs> yeah, if you listened to the last episode... Uh, that we did. Then you know what, what it was. But uh, if you didn't, basically I just howled the entire uh, episode's length. Yeah. Ooh. Like a dog in, trapped in a backyard. But this movie that we're about to talk about, I think this is probably more in line with the kind of movies you were thinking you were going to be a part of, right? This is definitely, yeah. This is. I think this would count as my suggestion, would you say? Yeah, I think so. But this is also something that we are both, we both know about and are fond of. This documentary we're talking about, it's only about 15 minutes long. Folks, you can go on YouTube. It's on YouTube and you can just play this. And one of the things that we like to do 
is tell you how you can watch all the movies. Yeah. Right? No, we tell people how to watch them because they might want to watch these movies if they haven't seen them. But this movie we're talking about, Heavy Metal Parking Lot by John Hain and Jeff Krulik. Go on YouTube, look it up. We are discussing this based off of the, we both have a copy of the DVD, and it's the 20th anniversary of Heavy Metal Parking Lot. If you don't know anything about Heavy Metal Parking Lot, let me quote Dave Grohl on the back of this DVD. Yes. This is basically rock and roll 101. For those of you that don't know, some of you are probably novices listening to this and haven't maybe even seen a documentary, or perhaps the only thing you know of documentaries are late night infomercials. Yeah. Which are documentaries about products. Dave Grohl's, is it Grohl or Grohl's? Grohl. Grohl's, I think. So Dave Grohl's from the Foo Fighters, but he's also the patron saint of rock music documentaries. So if you're going to have a rock music <laughs> documentary, you must have Dave Grohl involved. Yeah. Now, also, if you are going to have these are this certain rules unspoken, we haven't felt the need to speak these rules out loud before in the past, but we're going to get a little, because now you've made it to this, our, I don't know, how many episodes have we done? You and I have done three. This will, will be about 10 or 11 by the time this comes out. Right. And you should consider this, the ones that we do are kind of novice docu documentary episodes, right? Just for those that don't know everything the experts are on the other episodes we're kind of like <laughs> we're helping you along we're hold, hand holders you know drew's the sports expert yeah he definitely is angela's the crime expert i'd say we both share that enthusiasm yes but angela's like you know she's she's more into that than what we talk about she knows a little more than you though about true crime sure i know just a little bit just enough to get by now we throw around the word expert we're just trying to actualize like jim carrey our future in podcasting by throwing out these strong terms. What we really are are enthusiasts, lovers of documentaries. Right. Yeah. We're not, we're novice too, but we're just slightly better. Than but imagine a year or two of doing this and you know what's going to happen, right? Then that expertise we claim will become actualized. Right. But you know, we have tertiary knowledge at this point. Sure. Would you say that? So we're allowed to speak freely of Dave Grohl's and his uh, pursuits Outside of music. Now, I don't know much about what he achieves in the Foo Fighters and the Nirvana. And Scream. He was in that band Scream, the hardcore band. The movie from, or the... That hardcore band from, I think they were from Alexandria. So you've been doing homework about Grohl's. Well, I just know about that band. Do you know anything else about Grohl's? Can you add to what I'm throwing out here? I think that if you have Dave Grohl involved in your documentary, or the mention, the mere mention of Dave Grohl, you're doing pretty well. Good job. That's how the kids are going to jump gonna on That's going to earn board. you an automatic... One star, at least. <laughs> Mention Dave Grohl, you've at least got one Herzog, would you say? I want to pitch something out into the universe and just give me a producer credit when this happens. And it's genius. You're going to want this to happen. A reality show, right, that stars Dave Grohl. And he's sitting at a table, not unlike this one. And someone places an everyday household object in front of Dave Grohl. Could be like a toaster, a shoe, a coffee mug. And Dave Grohl has to somehow connect that object to the history of rock and roll i like that sounds like it could be an adult swim series or like a short web series mm, yeah college humor maybe maybe but get started on that buzzfeed it also has a quote right. by cameron crow aha uh -huh. yes director of almost famous cameron crow is like near beer to a guinness that is dave girls this is a stellar human being if you don't have him in your rock doc why am i even watching it
Well, he's not in this one. He's quoting the back of the DVD box. I hope that's not a problem for you. Is the quote on the back of the DVD box enough for you? I think that the, because of the uh, historic value of Heavy Metal Parking Lot, and obviously it predates a Dave Grohl's conception, I think maybe he, he would have been a little boy. And, and now it, maybe there is, maybe one of these patrons of this show is a father or mother to Dave Grohl's. We don't know. Uh, we can assume. Yeah, that's can make an assumption. I'll parents. go ahead and say it. His parents are in this document. So that denotes <laughs> Dave Grohl. This happens. I think your timeline's a little weird. Happens in '86. Like I think we got a teenage Dave Grohl up in hardcore bands during this time. Right. So he's probably maybe he's one of these kids in the audience with a bandana, perhaps. Maybe we are talking about yeah, heavy metal parking uh-huh. lot, the cult classic by John Hayne, Jeff Krulik. We see. A wobbly car. The directors are driving a 1978 Bonneville. I know that because of the commentary. We watched that. We're only going to be rating the film itself, but we're going to bring the knowledge of the commentaries and some where are they nows that we learned from the DVD to add to our telling of this story. They pull up. There's a chill-ass parking attendant. You can tell right off this dude's fucked up. Yeah, he's, enjoy, he's having a good time. Enjoy the pre-show, man. We're at the Capitol Center in Largo, Maryland, May 31st, 1986. This is a D.C. suburb, so you got a lot of kids from various D.C. suburbs and Baltimore suburbs and all those areas in between who are into Judas Priest and metal converging on this show. Metal in the 80s, that's peak for this genre. That's when it was considered big popular music. Record right. producers. It's interesting. It's very interesting. We're seeing a lot of metal sociology. A moment captured in time of the state of popular music in the day. And it's a very interesting time. The 80s go through a lot of changes in popular music history. I would say it's a lot more versatile a musical period than a lot of people maybe give it right. credit for. Usually we look back on the 80s and it's like, remember the Buggles? And it's like, uh, yeah, we all know that song. Uh, we all know about Flock of Seagulls. It seems like people are focusing in on very small things when they discuss right. this decade. Yeah, you have the dawn of house music, the dawn of heavy metal. Absolutely. early, Yeah, early house hip-hop is just growing and growing. You got various punk scenes, post-punk. Uh, the roots of what we would be known as grunge mm-hmm. take place here. A lot of other sub, like indie rock cultures, like twee, hardcore, Super and there's punk. and there's still the, those classic punkers are still making records well into the '80s. You're going to see all different sub factions of metal fans, and that's what's interesting to me about it. You see the glam metal fans and the metal heads, which would later be the kind of dominant metal fans when you get into the 90s. These are the diehards. That's the main That's the main focus of the documentary. But you do see some of these glam metal fans, which is much like seeing an extinct rare bird. It's kind of interesting that John Hayne and Krulik, they probably didn't realize it at the time, but 1986 was a transitional year for that genre. And, ter- and there would be more subtypes of metals. We were starting to go into the what is called the hair metal era during this time. And yeah, as you say, we see those subgenres represented in people we see in this doc. And it's really interesting to see that transition. And I think the album that Judas Priest was promoting at that time was leaning more towards that pop hair metal style than previous records. So 
That's why you might see someone here who's just got the full out permed hairspray look, but as well as like the the classic metalhead uh, right. goobers. Right. You get, now, the, what you want to look for in this documentary, if you're trying to see what we're looking for, well, you know, hairspray, yes, bandana usage. Now, when you see a glam person, they're not going to necessarily have the bandana on their head. They might have it elsewhere, but a bandana could be a functioning accessory. Some crafty metalheads might use the sleeve that they cut off of their T-shirt as a bandana. There are people who hate sleeves in heavy metal parking lot. You see a lot of sleeveless T-shirts. Not even shirts, necessarily. Yeah, we're burying the lead a little bit, but Dokken is opening up. Dokken is the official band of documenters. You'll remember that R.E.M.'s document is the official album. Right. But the official band is Dokken. The official musician is Don Dokken from Dokken. Oh, yes. Just want to make that clear. A little upsetting that this isn't focused on Dokken, but, you know, it's not all about us all the time. Isn't it? You know, maybe it is. It is mainly about us. Judas Priest consists of, and we see some bold uh, concert footage near the beginning and the end. Yeah. The directors just took, like, a video of another concert and, like, injected it into this footage that they edited down that they shot in a parking lot. Judas Priest is, of course... Rob Halford, who would come out in around the mid-90s, uh, Glenn Tipton, Ian Hill, Dave Holland, and K.K. Downing. You gonna remember that? No. We see a leopard print leotard. Le- this is the uh, age of leotards. Yep. We see uh, an iron-on shirt uh, with that kind of 70s, 80s letter font that you see on shirts at that time. It says, fuck off. Yep, that's cool. We see those permed hair metal dudes. And then we meet a guy. His name is Dave. He's 20 years old. There's a girl with him. Her name is Dawn. She's 13. And they start to make out. Yeah. This is... Yeah. It's a bit like this. And it rocks. 20-year-old and a 13-year-old smooching it up. Don't they say that they've been together two and a half weeks or something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do they? There's a guy off camera. I think someone asked why they're shooting this. When people ask them, what is this for? They will say MTV. Uh, the directors say that a lot of people just assumed it was for MTV. Because at the time, the camera that they're carrying around is fairly high end for 1986. Right. But this, they were actually making this for public access, right? Or themselves. I wasn't too clear on that. A couple of times I think they say it's for public access. You hear a voice off camera that says that they, the filmmakers, are showing how kids fuck up today. And the 13-year-old goes... All right. Yeah, that's what I'd say if I were 13. Meet a guy named Graham. He's kind of got like a bowl cut with a mullet. Right. He says his name's Graham, like Graham of Dope. Graham of Dope and shit. (laughs) He admits he's on acid and that they should legalize drugs, man. That's a fact. (laughs) The girl with uh, Graham, she's got scabs on her knees. Uh, She openly voluntarily says that she got the scabs from making it with her boyfriend in the car. He's rough. (laughs) <laughs> wow there's a, a sleeveless dc 101 he's fucked up too priest is bad man yeah I yeah that. that's the best priest is the best these accents are these baltimore accents there's a yeah maryland there's a couple of times these that people are talking and they sound almost like eastern pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bad of our DC 101. And, but there's some accents that sound like almost like Philly accents when we get the Zebra Man at the end. Oh, but Dave, in the DVD we watched, they catch up with Dave. Oh, yeah. And they're, and he's still, he's still rocking. They even perform a heavy metal song 
called or a heavy metal song called Heavy Metal Parking Lot with his band. Yeah. But when they're when he's asked about uh Dawn, the thirteen year old girl that he was smooching with. They got married, I think. N- no, the what? opposite. He plays it down like they were never an item. Mm. And that they were just friends. He's doing a little revisionist history. Because what we saw, it looked like they were uh, lip-locking, drool-swapping. Later, we meet a girl. She's my favorite. She says only a few things. You can sum it up very quickly. She says, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Party. Party. Yeah. Yeah. Jump his bones when she's asked what she would do if Rob Halford was talking to her. And then they ask, you fucked up? And she says, half and half. Now, it's important to note, the filmmakers, they just look like nerds. And they're legit worried that if they roll up into this parking lot, that some metal meatheads might beat them up. It's a fair concern because at this time, music fandom is like bizarrely divided. If you're not old enough to remember these times and you're a kid today, you'll probably, and you're making your electronical music, you're probably pulling from all types of uh, influences and genres to make Mm. your beats. Mm a more open acceptance of music in general is a lot more common today than it was then. But back then, and there are definitely exceptions to this, there are nerds at this show. Yeah, they're hiding. We don't see them really. They're in the back seeing if Don Dawkins is going to walk out. That's where the nerds are. But there's just this stupid idea that was probably put forth by shock rock DJs that you couldn't, like, say, like heavy metal and maybe also be a fan of the clash or something right which a zebra man gets into yes and zebra man which we meet towards the end he talks about his love of heavy metal but he's also it's also a, a tirade against punk and he's fucked up too everyone we talked to is fucked up there's a guy yeah, he says he likes Ozzy Osbourne. He thinks he's a bit chubby, so he's fat shaming Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, we see a guy with a shirt that says "Kill 'em all, let God sort 'em out," and he's with yeah. a buddy, and he's showing off another shirt that he's got in his car. What is that? It says "Don't get mad, nuke the bastards." And these are the kind of guys that um, Donald Trump really yeah, appeals to. Yes, that guy is like. You know, you meet those guys that say, "You know what we should do in Iraq? We should just." level the whole country you know you sometimes you encounter people like that who um seem to be very cool right. with genocide you know yeah like you meet them at church casually social mixer of some kind or uh in a after hours club sex club my favorite fashion choice of this era are half shirts on men and they're not going to do like dance choreography right they're, they're going to a metal show during this era of the mid to late 80s the gap in order to get more uh, customer base to get a larger base to pull from were selling half shirts at a discounted rate the gap half off half right. shirts and as many of you may know the gap was always located next to hot topic in the malls of america per regulations of all stores to be alphabetically ordered so hot topic gap would be right next to each other the metalheads going to Hot Topic would see the signs in the window of the gap that would say half t-shirts, half off, then think of their head, oh, I'm half and half fucked up. I should go in there and get a half and half t-shirt, light bulb above the head. Were there Hot Topics in 1986? Yeah, we're just going to ignore that comment. The directors walk up to a couple of kids with long hair and a bandana. They they point out in commentary that these kids were not having their camera bullshit. Who are you here to see tonight? Mm-hmm. The director says. Kid goes, your mother. 
But that is uh, another favorite of mine. <laughs> There's declarations that anyone who doesn't like priests are pussies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they hold up a, a Judas Priest sign. I bought a couple of Judas Priest records uh, after I watched this movie because there's one thing that's important to me is that no one think that I'm a pussy. So I got um, Stained Class and uh, Sad Day of Angels something. Right. Those are supposed to be some high-end priest records. No, I did not uh, get any Judas Priest records. N- and you not haven't... because ex- I am a pussy, but because I like Iron Maiden, which I think the documentary states at some point is the second best band after Priest. Iron Our Maiden. friend DC, DC 101 makes this statement. Iron Maiden is a better band than Judas Priest. Like, it's fine if you like Judas Priest. They did a lot for the metal genre, but Iron Maiden's a better band. I just don't think there's any debate. But you don't have any Priest re- In your extensive record collection, you don't have one Judas Priest record. That's correct. Pussy. I'm not a pussy. You are. There's a long line. There's a tall black dude. I think there's no more than four black people in this whole documentary. I do like black people in documentaries. He walks up to the camera. What is this? They say we're MTV. And he immediately says, bullshit. He sees pretty much right through this nerd show. Yeah, he understands what's going on. These are just nerds making a documentary. When we we mentioned Zebraman, Zebraman is wearing a leotard, sleeveless leotard, full body. And apparently, according some, to some other uh, folks, he wore that to his high school. He would wear it like it was a part of his everyday school clothes. In the Where Are They Now part of the uh, DVD that, we're, that we watched, they meet up with this guy. Yeah. They go to his house. Yep. Now, when we first meet this guy in 1986, he's going on and on. Heavy metal rules, that punk shit sucks, doesn't belong on this world, belongs on fucking Mars. What the hell is punk shit? Madonna can go to hell. She's a dick. One of the best parts of this movie is, and he's fucked up, but he accidentally hits himself in the mouth with the microphone. Yeah. He pops himself in the mouth with the microphone accidentally, and then he grabs his tooth like, and then just goes right back in to his anti-punk tirade. This is what we're talking about. There are great punk bands. There are great metal bands. But at this time, people just felt the need to draw a line in the sand. Rock DJs coming out against disco back in its height is kind of a big impetus for this. It's just this bullshit where you got to push something down to lift something up. It's just kind of like a shitty way to appreciate anything, really. We're all going to have bands we don't like. I don't know if you could tell, we're not that big a Dave Grohl fans. I mean, we probably do have plenty of records he has, but we're not, like, truly absorbed into everything he has to say about the history of rock and roll. We were being sarcastic. I don't know. I think you should just speak for yourself. Okay. You love him. Dave Grohl's is, I, I love him as a documentary subject and interview uh, head. Uh, I don't want to see anything below the shoulders necessarily in a documentary. A full body Dave Grohl's shot could ruin your documentary. We meet a couple. They have backstage passes. They actually have passes for 75 of their friends, they said. Right. It's a long story, but they tell the whole story. <laughs> she goes, the guy goes, when they ask how they get that, they go, it's a long story. And then one second later, she begins to tell the long story. But their friend dies and a radio show gives them backstage passes. I told that story way faster than they did. They go up to another group of people, ask if anybody here does air guitar. I kind of don't understand the question. Was air guitar huge at the time? I, I was kind of thought that if any question would result in them getting swung on, maybe it would be that one. 
we meet another group of people. The guys are here for priests, but there's one brunette girl. She's there for docking. They're passing off a joint. It doesn't explicitly show them doing it, but what they do is they get up close to each other, and they're, you can tell something's going on below the waist, but that's what they're doing. It just doesn't it doesn't explain it. But the girl that is there for docking, we see her later in the Where Are They Now? The Where Are They Now stuff takes place about... 15 years after this happens. She's not with the guy that she was in that video. She marries another guy like two years later, and he's a metalhead. And they meet up with her at a metal show, but not like, I think it's like a cover show. They ask if she still loves Dokken. She does. Right, that's great. And her husband actually opened up for Dokken once, I'm assuming at a county fair. They talked to a worker from Jamaica. He thinks it's all crazy. He's never seen anything like this. Where's he now? He might be dead. Okay. What's that? So people yell out, this is for Michael Foster. We see some dudes. They love Priest. We see a dude like popping in and out of his false teeth. He doesn't want to say how he got tickets. There's a nerdy dude who's talking about what he's going to do. He's wearing like a red polo shirt. And he describes how he's going to knock back a few brews. But he says it in a very unconvincing way. I hope he didn't get beat up at that show. Yeah, Bruce. Sure you are, buddy. We see we see many things. Older hairy people, a lady at her first metal show, mm-hmm. a woman yelling, Glenn Tipton, we want to fuck your brains out. And there were a few grandmas, I remember. We meet a guy, he, he says he's a former bass player. I wonder why he stopped. He's not still playing bass. But he's wearing overalls, no shirt under it. His teeth, his front teeth almost look like they're diagonal like they're pointed he's wearing a star of david and he loves the bass player ian hill well who wouldn't but he said but he says this sentence and i quote rob halford i don't know about you man oh yeah well you know what that is he seems to allude right that rob halford's not of the jewish faith (laughs) he's a gentile that's right gentile around the mid 90s we would discover that yes rob halford is a gay gentile Uh, mm -hmm. there's a few other things a girl telling another dude to get away from me please because there's a lot of uh people are all over each other and then and then it ends on some priest show footage we mentioned zebra man he's probably the most popular the man who went on his anti-punk tirade would they meet up with him later at his house and he's very reserved i get the feeling that zebra man is a kind of guy who's Fairly quiet when he's sober, but then you put a little drugs in him, you put a little alcohol in him, and he about loses his fucking mind. So they ask him what he's into now. He says he's into hunting and fishing. He doesn't seem to know that the documentary has this cult level or doesn't acknowledge it, but he says he likes country, he likes hunting, but he points out that he still likes metal, but there are no good stations now that just play metal. Sad but true. Which is a Metallica song, right? But he also feels the need to point out that he doesn't like he doesn't like rap. So once again, he's having to say he doesn't like something to show that he Did they ask him if he something. likes that punk shit now? They make a Zebra Man watch a jerky video of himself. Zebra Man, so cool. That's pretty much it. Now, uh, in my research, and this will be in the show notes if you go to the link to the website. Uh, we don't uh, have a... Uh, I don't know why you keep interrupting me. Before sorry. If just... you go to the website, you'll see that there's a WBV podcast interview with Graham, Graham of Dope Owens from the Heavy Metal parking lot. And that's a 
41 minute uh, interview. Of course, we don't have the time. If only we have been able to uh, acquire his contact information, we might have had Graham Owens on this very episode. I'll have to talk with the producers on why. Yeah, we'll figure out why we didn't get Graham Owens. And WBV podcast did. Heads will roll. But we're we're fair, and we're just going to link to that. So so you'll be able to see that on the website. That is uh, uh, doc, docs with an X uh, dot the, no. something. They, we don't have... I'll get back to that website address (laughs) at a later date. And uh, it's definitely a dot something for sure. That's usually how a website is. This is a classic. This is one we've... This is a classic. This is what we would call an underground film, right? Absolutely. This breaks molds. This is a a genre setter as well as a genre definer. And this uh, heavy metal parking lot comes from a culture where people used to find weird shit and would swap it around on videotapes. Pass it around to their friends. Heavy Metal Parking Lot was very popular amongst touring musicians in its day. That subculture of odd video clips and exchanging those things. If you watch the another documentary, Winnebago Man, it actually explains that subculture pretty well. And that culture and what we see now, nowadays we can just pull things up on YouTube, find weird short videos. Right. But a lot of that is derived from that subculture. In the ancient days of our ancestors. You would get a hand-delivered VHS tape from usually a Buddhist monk or a monk some type in the uh, religious sects. He would have also a copy of Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Not not Heavy Metal Parking Lot. That's another. But Heavy Metal Parking Lot would be given to you by an ordained priest, monk, or... Uh, rabbi? Rabbi, right. These are religious texts for a documentary fan. That zebra man leotard will be worn by priests in the future. That's true. Yes, these these are hell yeah cult defining. These are cult defining films. That's what an underground film. Is. It's uh, interesting how we're going to maybe have to analyze this movie. For one, I enjoy it, but it's it's very much a first venture into filmmaking for these gentlemen. We have to take that into consideration, and mm-hmm. also the context of the times. And in this film, maybe what seems silly could be part of its overall charm. Now, we grade things on a 1 through 5 Herzog scale. No star rating. Fuck those. But if you do want to give us uh, five stars on iTunes, we will accept that. That's the only time you can violate that rule. iTunes. Did I mention iTunes? Stuart, what do you feel about this movie? And if you had to apply a 5 Herzog, 1 through 5 Herzog rating to it, what would you give this movie? Well, you know, I've only seen, you know, a few documentaries, Jim and Andy, uh, The Gray State, A Gray State. You've seen a lot. Those are the only two I've seen. So I have tertiary knowledge of other documentaries. And, you know, having seen now my third documentary, (laughs) uh, you know, previously I only had uh, textbooks to go on and, you know, Reader's Digest articles. Outdated Encyclopedia Britannica's discussing in detail documentaries. Right. And I also had early uh, encyclopedia application for Windows 98. I had that uh, some kind of clicky thing. You click on it. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Clicky. And I clicked a lot on that. I saw a lot about uh, different documentaries. But this is my third documentary I've seen. It was amazing. I feel revelatory. And I'm going to have to say that I want this to be my new ceiling. The heavy metal parking lot is... Your tippy top right now. This is the ceiling. We found the floor. 
a gray state. That's the bottom. For you, for sure, yes. Right. Uh, Does not rank high. It's not fantastic. How do we let's compare the two briefly before I give you my rating? That's a odd comparison. Penguins but and giraffes. Here we have a gray state where they're kind of leading you to have these emotional feelings, and you're gonna have to like reckon with a lot of terrible events that happened. Heavy metal parking lot just takes the heavy metal parking lot in. This is the heavy metal parking lot. We're documenting the heavy metal parking lot. This is a parking lot. It's also heavy metal. We put them together. It's a heavy metal parking lot. What happens there? Heavy metal happens there. And 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 nothing is, we aren't led anywhere to think anything, to have any deep feelings. And they aren't trying to tell us how we should think. There's not any talking heads coming in saying, yes, this is the heavy metal parking lot. And blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a cheat, really. Yeah. That's kind of a cheat, right? It's refreshing to not have that in it. It's refreshing. That's right. It's, that's what this documentary is. It's refreshing. It's so refreshing that I didn't even think about it as a documentary. I just thought about it as a... It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's great. I can't imagine spending 16 minutes better or 17 minutes. No. I made... I probably watched this at least three times preparing for this episode. Are you going to watch a gray state? No. Three times? Once is plenty. Okay. So let's just say that. That's the comparison. This is this this is the roof of what my Herzog scale will be. So that being said, five Herzogs. Wow. Five. This marks our second five Herzog rating. Angela gave the film Mommy Dead and Dearest Five Herzogs, a true crime film wow. about Gypsy and Dee Dee Blanchard. I feel a lot of what you're saying. And there is even even the points in this little short doc where cheesy effects going through the crowd. There's like weird stuff. It just seems. It just emotional, right? Yeah, I'm getting emotional. It just the cheesy effects. It just seems that even in the elements of it that could seem bad, that there is just an an endless amount of charm in it. You can either take this on its surface and still have a lot of fun with it. Or you can actually think deeper about it, about the place and time, as we discuss the state of popular music at the time. Mm -hmm. You can kind of go anywhere with this movie that you choose to go. You can kind of turn your brain off and enjoy it. You can turn your brain on and get even more out of it. And the best of all, it's kind of a very easy one to share amongst your friends because one is so short. Right. It's now even more so a relic of the past that a lot of people will will gawk at and laugh at or laugh with it how now can i ask you one thing go ahead how many college dissertations do you think you could get out of this film i could get i could get at least two yeah it's 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 a wealth it's a wealth so Stuart, for my rating of heavy metal parking lot by john hayne and jeff krulik my friend we're about to make documentary history i too I'm giving Heavy Metal Parking Lot five out of five Herzogs. Wow. Folks, you know what that means. Stewart gives it five. I give it five. Perfect documentary. What do we do now? Is there something we have to do now? I, I think we just move on and wind it down. I think if you uh, check the website, we may do something on the we website. We don't have a website. <laughs> we just have an RSS feed. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. check. Leave a comment on the website. <laughs> we may we may take your uh, suggestions for what we should do. Perhaps a parade of some kind, or uh, 
uh, ooh, I get it. How about we invite our grandmothers over and have a feast of some kind? Or uh, we might just invite neighborhood grandmas over. There's usually a grandma or two in any given neighborhood or more, and we'll invite them over for a feast and discuss the uh, merits of the film. Sit your grandma down and have her watch Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Yes, with with you know context, of course. It's not too long for her. No, it's it's a grandma could have experienced this film. I I think that should really that's also the roof. That's when you're looking at the roof of our rating system. Could a grandma watch this? Yeah, she should. I don't know how she'd feel about it, but she should. Right. Or should she? Should she? Will she? Would she? Grandma. Yeah. Since this is our first ever 10 out of 10, that means, folks, you should own a copy of this. You should go get it. Right, folks. And if you don't have any money or you're you really think we're kind of full of shit, then you can also just go on YouTube and watch the film for free. It's out there. Yeah, it's there. And that that just tells you that we are not the only people to think this because YouTube has decided, let's put out the movie for free. We're YouTube. We should have this movie on here for the people. It's not on a paywall. It's just there. Right. You know, it's not like some of these YouTube clips, uh, like uh, that guy singing uh, Carmen Barina in the shower where you have to pay for it. It's free. Treat yourself. I think Oprah says that to Heavy Metal Parking Lot by John Hayne and Jeff Krulik. Our first 10 out of 10 Herzog film. Like Don Dockin', keep on docking. I, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have to take a shit. Well, I figured you would have to take a shit eventually. I'll tell you, folks. Bobby shits all the time. Like, constantly. He's constantly shitting. A lot of people uh, don't know this, but uh, I actually know Bobby outside of the podcast. Heavy metal does rule. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch your teeth. 